0: Her name may be Patricia Chin. However, to anyone in or around the music business, she is Miss Pat. Miss Pat has childhood memories of running behind her mom and dad as they rode their bike to the movies in Jamaica. In those days, she says, her mother and father could not afford to take the entire family to the cinema. She and her siblings could only dream about the adventures portrayed on screen. Years on, Miss Pat's company's name would appear on the marquee of the world-famous Radio City Music Hall in New York City. The little girl who could not afford to attend the show would eventually create the show. Miss Pat and her husband, the late Vincent Randy Chin, came from humble beginnings, but they both had big dreams. Armed with a relentless work ethic and a knack for business, they took the road less traveled and decided to sell music. They sold all of the popular pop and R&B records of the day. However, they took it a step further. At a time when radio stations in Jamaica did not support reggae music, the Chins opened a studio and started to record and press the sounds of Jamaica as they evolved and defined the culture. What started out as Randy's records in Jamaica evolved into vp records the store the label and the distribution company after more than 40 years of vp records introducing the world to reggae and dancehall's top artists and solidifying deals with major american labels miss pat sits on her throne as the reigning monarch of caribbean music business with new initiatives To push Caribbean music into more spaces, and a newly published book about her life's journey, Miss Pat is showing no signs of slowing down. This is the story, thus far, of Patricia Chin. Miss Pat. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. She is the mother of the modern reggae music business. She is a pioneer, an entrepreneur, and is revered in the music world. Miss Pat Chin, welcome to Planet 30.
1: Welcome, Crispin, and thank you for having me. Good morning, everyone. All the reggae fans there. (laughs) I am so happy to be talking to you this morning. And um, as we go on, you'll share, I'll share my story, my 60-year my story about dealing with the reggae business.
0: <laughs> and what a fascinating story it is. Now, now Ms. Pat, your, your parents named you Dorothy Patricia Williams initially. And as, as I read in your book, your dad named you after a movie star. Do you think he had a premonition that his daughter would become a huge, successful star in entertainment?
1: Oh, no, I don't know. maybe just an instinct to well, you know i I was first wanted to be a nurse. actually, he wanted me in the thirties to work in a bank because I think that was a prestigious job at that time in the sixties and seventies. But I eventually wanted to do nursing and I went to the university to do two years of nursing and then I met my husband. And then we just started with the music business, and I loved it so much. I continue after 60 years. My husband isn't here with me, but I continue with the music throughout my, <laughs> my 60 years.
0: Indeed. Tell, tell me a little bit more about Jamaica, you know, 1940s, 1950s. What was the mood like in terms of, uh, you know, the vibe and the music and the culture? It was just developing, right?
1: Yes, in 1962 we got our independence. Well, back home even before that, we didn't have a, a, a we didn't have a culture called reggae music. It was all R and B and jazz. We import them from the states, so reggae music, you know, was not played on the radio. Actually, it was one radio station we had R J R, and we had Radio Fusion, some little boxes that they would put in the clubs. And then you have jukeboxes. The jukeboxes is a big machine that you put a 45 records. You put your 25 cents and you'll get five records. But that, that time it's not pounds. It was just pounds, shillings and pence. Because we originally was from England. We are ruled under the British rule. So in 1962, we got independence from England. I grew up very poor. You know, my dad and my mom—we were all poor. My my mom started a little Chinese shop. Chinese shop is a little shop that the Chinese people put up all over the islands. It's in the rural rural areas, and they service the community by selling groceries.
0: And your dad was a and
1: and my dad—he had a little shop too. My dad's my dad's father, I think he was like a, you know, a, a very spiritual person. People used to come to him for advice. So um, he grew up very loving and kind to the community. So as my mom, so that rubbed off as, as, on us as children. We learned to respect others and we learned to help others and we learned to give back. And um We were always instilled in community and helping others. So uh, it was most naturally when my husband and I started business, we also put up a studio which helped the young entrepreneur, singers and producers to really showcase their talents. And that's how it all begins.
0: Indeed. And you you mentioned that you saw Fats Domino, Ray Charles, Sam Cooke, performing Jamaica. I had no idea these guys were going to Jamaica even back then.
1: Yes. In, in, in the 60s, 50s and 60s, you know, we were a haven for R&B music because we played R&B music 24-7 on the radio. We didn't have a culture called music, so we had to... We gravitate to the R&B and the jazz. So they all come down to Jamaica, even... even um. Uh, uh, many, many, many Fats Domino, you know, most of the R&B singers came down to perform and some came to do recording after we below studio. You know, we had Johnny Nash coming down to do, I can see clearly now. So the 60s and the 50s was an exciting time for us. They come down because they think they all believed that Jamaica was, and I do believe that Jamaica was a haven for music. We had a lot of recording studios. We had a lot of musicians, and R and B was very big down there. We even have rights to press all the American records. Companies like um, the late Eddie Siago, which was then before Prime Minister, become Prime Minister. He had a record company named West Indian Records. And he used to import a lot of the American R and B, and he pressed them too. He had the rights to manufacture them. So Jamaica was a haven for all the R and B artists that came to perform, and they came to use the studios.
0: It's such an interesting link now. Learning that you know, there's such a history between Jamaica and the United States in terms of R and B. A lot, a lot of things now make sense.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so we develop our own music, and that's where it starts.
0: Be- because radio back then would not play what was then mento and ska.
1: Yeah, they wouldn't play those because they thought it wasn't good music. Was the music of the street? So they were They didn't want to play it. We had to. <laughs> now, when they said the music meant something to the public and the producers and everything, then they then then began to accept us. It was very hard to play all music on the radio, very,
0: very hard. Interesting. And so you probably referred to your, uh, in the book, you, you mentioned selling rubber bands and marbles as a child and you were bitten by the entrepreneurial spirit. And um, I guess this is where your entrepreneurial spirit kicked in when you decided, yes. when you told your <laughs> husband, let's sell records, let's take the bulk of records and start selling them. Tell me about the, the, the yes. beginnings of Randy's records.
1: Okay, you know, as I said, when I was 12, I, we were very poor. Went to a, a government school, we call it Greenwich Farm Government School. And, and my father used to work in an abadashery owned by some Indians. So he could get rubber bands and marbles. And that was the, that was, that was the greatest toys for the kids in the 30s, rubber band marbles, slingshot. So he, he gave me some rubber bands and marbles, and I sold them during my lunchtime fun. And I think that's where my entrepreneurial spirit developed. If I had something good that people likes, then that's the way I should go. And then my husband got a job with the jukebox company to service the jukebox throughout the island. We would start from Kingston, we go on to Montego Bay, and then we come around to the other islands, part of the islands. And he serviced the bars and the clubs and the restaurants and the shops with the jukebox records, putting new ones in there and take out the old ones. And then we had so much rejects. We bought them out from the company. And there, that was the anchor for starting a store to sell old jukebox records.
0: Amazing. that was the
1: beginning of my journey.
0: (laughs) Amazing. And you mentioned in the book that you guys would... uh... Sleep in the car sometimes on your overnight trips.
1: <laughs> yes, we did many nights like that. You know, when you're young, you're fearless.
0: You just,
1: you take everything for a, for an experience. And I enjoy my life in meeting my husband. And that's before we got married. And uh, having fun, just, he was working, doing his job. I was helping him to put the, the, little, the little name tags in the jukeboxes. Maybe one of your audience doesn't know what a jukebox is. (laughs) Maybe have about 200 records, little 45 records. Mm -hmm. And then each time, like each month, he would go and take out the old one and put new records. And I tell you, when you go to the the clubs and the bars, the people are so excited to get new records because that was only their form of entertainment, you know?
0: They right. couldn't. They
1: didn't have money to go to the to to go to uh, movies, so the best thing was to punch twenty five cents and they make their selection of the music they like.
0: So it was an
1: exciting time for, for for not only for the customer but for us.
0: Indeed. Now, when you you initially came up with the idea to to sell the records, what why did you all have the? Or how did you all have the confidence? To go into the music business at that time, because Jamaica was now opening up into tourism and so many other industries, this music definitely was the the road less traveled. <laughs> yes,
1: um, what what you know what it is is that the all rejects record they couldn't buy them anymore in the stores. Time store was the only shop that sell those records other than the factory, but they didn't sell. Once the record was dead, stale, came out the jukebox, they didn't have any use for them anymore because they didn't think of selling them as used records in the store. So my idea is that while they're still good records, they're new, they don't touch by hands, they're all electronics coming from the turntable to to the needle, so they were pretty good. And they were not available in the stores. So people who had their little record player, record changers, would love to buy them. So we like put five or ten in a little bag and we sold them. I don't know how much money it was, at, maybe $2 a dollar. And we did pretty good. We did very good because the store was a little maybe four feet wide by 10 feet long. Maybe three, four people came in the store. We have to wait till the next four people came in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when when one set came in, the other set came in because it was so tiny, and we did very we did very good, so we moved up to seventeen knot parade after about a year, and we started doing the same use record. but at this time, I started to sell new records mixing with the old records, so I would go to a West Indian record and I would buy one Percy sledge, one dream Reeves, one drifters. <laughs> one Sam Cook, one Elvis Presley, and then I would sell the one record. When it's sold, I would go back and buy one more record because we only could afford to buy one record. And I would go to One Earth's radio service and I would buy one needle, one brush, one turntable. And when I sell them, then I would go back and buy one more. That's how my life and journey starts, selling one, one music at a time.
0: It made it more exclusive. <laughs>
1: yeah. And that space that I had up there, I rented a small partition from a restaurant. It was like 10 by 10 space. And that's where we started, inside of a restaurant. And um, and that was like in 1958 when I just had my first child.
0: Such an incredible story.
1: Yeah, it's been a long journey, but... But I really enjoy my life and I enjoy seeing people, you know, being successful. And, uh, and, and you know, if I had to go, I said I would have <laughs> do it the same way. Because the amount of people that I um, pass through my hands and the amount of people that really love music and um, giving them hope and to them for them to dream and, 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 you know, reggae music has been played all over the world. And I'm so happy that I was there when it started.
0: Indeed.
1: I went to Mexico. I went to, you know, all over. And um, I went to Greece. And and then I just, I was so excited and proud. I even went to Alaska. Uh, And when I came off the ship, down below was a little three-piece band playing, One Blow! One heart. <laughs> I felt so proud. So, oh, my God. My, <laughs> our music has to reach all over the, to the ends of the earth.
0: <laughs> so, Miss Chin, after all this, you know, there, there was so much adventure between you and Mr. Chin. Um, how did you guys balance business and marriage? You know, sometimes they say don't do business with your wife or husband. Right? Yes.
1: <laughs> At times they're difficult, but I think God has made it that he he was very and the producers and people on a whole. So he take care of the studio. Once we set up the studio, I mean, he was still working when we started the record store. But after a time, he resigned and come full time with me. But we had different jobs. You know, I usually feel like if you're too intertwined, it's much harder. So we divided the work. I mean, we didn't think about it, but he did the studio work, the artist, the producer, the socializing. And I did, I did a store, prom- promoting a store and um, selling the music. And I spent 20 years on the counter, you know, with my customer. I happened to know all the producers, the singers, the buyers, the sellers, <laughs> people who come from England to buy. And uh, I developed a nice uh, community with the musicians while he, he takes care of the studio. Who were some of the recordings. singers coming
0: through at that time?
1: Well, people came through. You know, we have people from England, Lee Goptel, And um, we had, you know, a lot of foreigners who come to buy records to take back to England. England was a big, big business for us because in the 40s and the 50s, uh, many, many Jamaicans went to England right. because there were work over there. There was no restriction. You could just go on the boat. And I remember my cousin went to England. Many, many people went to England. So they brought their sound system and their music and their culture with them. Come and on. they developed and they marry and have children. So their children is English, but they love their culture still, their Jamaican culture from their parents.
0: And Jamaica definitely had an impact on. Yes,
1: and then we noticed that a lot of our sales came from England. Even when Bob Marley made the hits, it was recorded in England first. We didn't know that Bob Marley was going to be a superstar. So he was just an ordinary singer, you know, because as I said, Jamaica people are gifted with singing. We sing when we're happy, we sing when we're sad, we sing when we're working, go to church, we sing on the street, funeral, <laughs> wedding, everything we sing. I think singing has really helped us to, um, to have hope and um, to develop our own talents, you know?
0: Indeed. So
1: England, England has always been a, a really a, a great place for us to launch our music. Even when my husband made a record named Fatty Boom Boom in 1964, we didn't know it was a hit. Until when England used to call us, give me 200, give me 300, give me 500. I want to know the singer, I want to produce, you know. We didn't know that the record was a hit. So most of it was first discovered in England and in Jamaica.
0: So he was producing as well.
1: Yeah, he produced Independent Jamaica in 1962, and it was such a big hit, but the radio station didn't want to play it. But the people on the street was were singing it, the dances was playing it, so they were forced to play it. So that was one of our first hits, Independent Jamaica. It's my Lord Creator Trinidadian, a singer uh-huh. who came to visit, and my husband made friends. And he recorded many songs for us, like "We'll Be Lovers," "Don't Stay Out Late," "Evening News," and uh, and you know, many 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 songs for my husband.
0: And I'm you know in my generation, I'm I'm actually recognizing some of the titles because, I guess because you know you had it in your catalog, some of your artists redid them.
1: Yes. <laughs> Yes, a lot of artists pass through the doors of VP Whether producing them or distributing them or just friendship on a whole. And it is so nice that sometimes the artist's children go in the same business because the music business is so wide. You don't have to be a singer. You can be a producer. You can be a writer. You can be a person like you that's on the radio. You can be a lawyer. You can... You can do so many things. Streaming is a big thing now. You can be in digital age. My grandchildren are in the digital age, so I have one grandchild, she's the art she's the artist that does the LP jackets and the C D jackets. Sometimes a little little too 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 not too good for me, but I'm <laughs> eighty and she's only thirty. <laughs> so what am I going to tell her? It's too a little too too outrageous, but, but, but that's a trend. I can't tell her what to do right now. I'm, I'm 50 years older than she is, you know. <laughs> and, and Steve Nees does the digital, you know, when you see what's going on Spotify and Apple and all of those, he's the one uploading the music and telling them about the culture because most of the uh, internet service, they don't know anything much about reggae music, you know.
0: Well, you know a lot of them don't even have uh Soca as a category, and I know Soca is big for VP as well
1: yes yeah even reggae it was so hard. I call it uh, alternative music it was hard, you know like world, world music world music yeah, world music. we didn't have a category name reggae, so you know when I came here for over forty years ago, you know I had to start all over again, you know, I had to start backward 20 years backward. Renting a little 10 by 10 space, putting my kids in school, learning the culture, trying to push my culture, trying to know where to live, where to send them to school, where to put up shop. It's like I started about backward, backward. You know, it was very, very hard when you come to a new country, you know, you don't know the culture, you don't know anything. All they knew was Bob Marley. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and this was nineteen seventy nine. what yes. what was one of the what was one of the things that really uh I would say uh shocked you or 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 you found strange about New York and America?
1: Yeah, they only knew Bob Marley. They didn't know about other artists, you know, like Sisla, you know, they didn't know most of the artists. Only knew Bob Marley. So when I came here I I didn't have money to advertise, but we had a couple core customer that we used to service while I was in Jamaica. So even when I came here, you know, it was so difficult. So I really was happy that I had maybe four or five shops that I could service. And little by little, little by little, even when I came here and we did telemarketing, they would say to me, Miss Pat, can you put on a man there on the phone? I so said, why, why do you want a man? He said, because I don't think being a woman, you know what I want. What? Ah, <laughs> uh, but I didn't, they didn't realize that I spent 20 years on the counter before, you know? They think a woman cannot know the music because it's really a man's world. I, I didn't know I was invading a man's job. I was only doing, <laughs> doing, I was only working to sustain my family. Like all the women on the sidewalk selling fruits and vegetables, we we're no different. I was just selling another commodity, you right, know,
0: right. so I
1: didn't class myself on anybody special. But I, it's been known to me that when I he went to the big um, TV studio, and when he see I walk-in with Egyptian, he was so surprised because he never see a woman producing. I, 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 and, and then he said, oh, and a Chinese woman at that. I said, yes, <laughs> <laughs> he, he was so taken back and surprised. Most of the journalists who come to, to interview me also are surprised because a lot of them think it's only a man's job, you know. They didn't see a woman producing and selling and uh, making a business in the music world. So um, I, I'm blessed that I did pick music to be my career because I see how much people I can help, you know. Jamaica is so talented with musicians and singers. So I'm glad. I'm glad. And my father eventually accepted that because one time I remember he was only 80 and he went to Ocho Rios to live. That's about three, miles, three three, hours away from Kingston. And it was a haven for a sound system. And they would play the sound system night and day. And he said to me one time, he was about 80 years old, Pat, I don't know what the hell they're saying. But because you're in the business, I get to like it.
0: <laughs>
1: because in the DJ music, you really don't know what they're saying at times, you know?
0: <laughs> the, the, the pat, the pat was so strong.
1: The rhythms and what they're saying, they you didn't understand it. But they say I begin to like it <laughs> because I'm in the business.
0: <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Oh my goodness! Now, are you are you proud to see? Um, how far reggae has gotten or do you sort of feel like you have to protect reggae for Jamaica only?
1: No, you know, I am very proud to see how much, our music has spread all over the world and also the imitate, people imitate the music also, which is good because people imitate something that is good.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And there's
1: always space for everyone, you know. I always feel like the more the merrier. If we do well, you know, um, then my artists will do well. And when they do well, I'm so proud of them because I am I, so proud, you know, when they do well, I, I revel in their success also. And to see that, you know, they come from such humble beginnings. Uh, singing wasn't a part of their your, your, a business, you know, we just love to sing. But they, after a time, they realized singing have to sustain them too. So I was able to teach them how to sell and what we do and we sell and write up contracts and, and show them a, 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 a different world of doing music as a business. Mm-hmm. It's still very hard for us, you know. <laughs> still very hard. We still have a long, a long way to go. And when somebody would ask me the other day, so how come... The record, reggae music, didn't reach that peak like our other genre, like hip-hop. I said, well, our culture is difficult, and we have a lot to learn because we didn't, we didn't do music as a career at first. We do it because of the love of what we love to do. Right. But we have a lot of learning to do that we have to make sure that they're obligated to do their part, to upgrade their skill, come on time. And to really work the program like a profession, I don't think a lot of them know how to do that as yet. So we have a lot more, a lot more to learn on the journey.
0: Yeah, in the Caribbean is oh, critics all everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but Miss Pat, with the wave of hip hop in the '80s and especially the '90s, and the let's be honest, the opportunities financially, were you ever tempted? to um, invest more in hip-hop artists or to bring hip-hop artists into VP?
1: Well, you know, hip-hop is a spin-off from VP, from from reggae music, you know.
0: Of course. Because
1: Cool Her came to Jamaica, we had distant relatives in Jamaica. And he loved the way the sound system would rap and sound system would play on the street side. So I think hip-hop was like a spin-off from reggae music. And I did go on a couple panels. I did a panel with um, in the Bronx, City Lore, where they interviewed me with Cool Hurricane, and quite a few of the hip-hop stars. And that was maybe 20 years ago. And we really see how much hip-hop has grown. Actually, when we started to make a dent in, the, in America, it was because of hip-hop also. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't gravitate to the roots and culture like I thought they would have. It was a dance hall which was similar to hip-hop. What really brought us like with Sean Paul, Beanie Man, Yellow Man, Banton. It was a dance hall that really put us on the map in America. Sean Paul in particular was the one that break the ice for us. Because after a time, Atlantic uh, collaborated with us and, and, and released the Sean Paul records that we had. We didn't have enough money to really go in that market, you know. Right. So uh, we, we had to collaborate. And I think it brought up a good idea. I think we have a good idea going on because we just put out a beautiful um, track with uh, Shaggy and Sean Paul and uh, Spice. Go and down yeah, it's making big waves.
0: Indeed it so is. So I think my,
1: my next step will be co- to lo- collaborate with some of the hip-hop artists, which I'm planning to do very, very, very soon.
0: Okay, you heard it here first, folks.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, I thank you, Crispin. <laughs> I thank you very much. But it has been in my mind, the back of my mind for a long time, because everybody's collaborating, so Why not? Why not?
0: Why not?
1: I just want to share a little about my foundation, if you don't mind. Of course, before we of close course. Off. You know, we have been giving back from day one. So last year when, we, when I'm at home, I decided to start a V&P family foundation. And the reason why is that I could put more resources in it so that I can give back more to the underprivileged, also in the music events for the Caribbean I can give scholarship, I can help in producing instruments and uh, to bring them up to showcase their talents. So my book is a part of the foundation, which will give the, the, you know, whenever I sell my book, part proceeds will go into my Vincent and Pat family foundation. And this is really to help in the music industry and the, and the privilege and to help when they have crisis because they have so much crisis so much people, so much artists are being passed on, you know. So we do, we do want to help in whatever way we can. Wonderful. So my foundation, to help, the proceeds will go to the foundation, the Vincent and Pat Family Foundation. If they want to know and donate to the foundation and read up about my book, which I will be giving towards the foundation, it's vnpfoundation.org. And they can also buy my book and know about the foundation on vpregge.com. It's also on Amazon. And it's also in the UK and, and in Japan. And hopefully, hopefully, I can sell some of my book in Angola.
0: Of course, Angola. <laughs> Let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> VP is legendary. You having, with
1: you having me on the radio this morning, I'm sure you're going to penetrate Angola. <laughs> And Saint Martin's for me on the Caribbean
0: Islands. Exactly, we do have we do have a, a strong listenership in the um, in the Leeward Islands, especially. Um, so we definitely your book is um. Can I just say this? Your book is amazing. I mean, I was it, when you talk about Paige turner, and be, I, I you know because of my love for reggae music and having grew, uh having grown up on. VP, <laughs> you know VP.
1: <laughs> oh, that's so great! Thank you, thank you, and thank your wife for for having my book. And uh, you know, I just hope that people will be inspired with the stories, also.
0: Oh, the stories are wonderful. I mean, it's really the, the, it's it's a it's a tale of entrepreneurship and perseverance and innovation. It's like so much packed into this book. And then what I love is that you know every page has. These wonderful pictures, just classic pictures of the artists, of your family, of Jamaica. I think everybody, if you love reggae music, if you love Caribbean music, you should get this book, to be honest with yes, you.
1: Yes, and I want to give a shout out to my dearest friend Maria from Greece and my friend passed on Michael Thompson because they, he inspired me. He was a great graphic designer that um, has his art all over the world. And when I traveled with him, you know, I talk about my music and he talked about his art. He's from Jamaica, but he came here when he was 12. And he was a great, great artist, a graphic designer. And he really showcased the culture in his art. And I want to say hello to Maria from Greece. She put the book together. She took the pains and the passion and the love to make such a beautiful book. And the picture on the front is done by Michael Thompson, my dearest friend. He passed away five years now. Oh, But my. I know wherever he is, he's looking down to see his beautiful works in my book.
0: Indeed. And the book is called Miss Pat, My Journey in Reggae Music. My Reggae Music Journey, I'm sorry. Yes, it <laughs> is. Yeah. I, I wanted to, I was curious. What is the best business advice you've ever received?
1: Well, the advice that, that, because of my experience of 60 years in the business, I have always tried to, um, to be consistent, to work hard, to ask for help. And you don't have to be perfect in what you do. I was really good in school, but I had a lot of help. Even today, I'm going back to school where I can be able to, to write better English. <laughs> And um, I would give advice to say, you know, just, just start where you are mm. and, and things will follow. Work hard. Just make sure that you know what you're doing This year love. Because when you do what you love, then, you know, you'll, you'll be doing something that you love and getting paid for it. Mm. And don't be afraid to ask for help. But there's a lot of good people out there like you that's given me the opportunity to share my journey and my book with you and the world.
0: You're giving me the opportunity.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I got a lot of of help from others and I'm grateful because when I came here, I didn't even understand the language, the the, the broken American language, and they didn't understand me with my broken Jamaican English, (laughs) Jamaican patois. But I had great people. I had a beautiful Jewish lady that really was like my second mother, taught me everything that I know. And and everybody that, that I came in contact with, even today, people that love my music and want to share my story and to help me to sell my book, including you and your wife, I, I am so blessed. And, um, you know, I, I can't say that. I, I'm so grateful that for the last 60 years, and God has blessed me, too, because I can't leave God out of it. He has been a guidance for me throughout. I respect others, always respect others and give back. And the community means a lot to us, so we always have to remember
0: to give back. Indeed. I- Ms. Pat, is there is there a a, a period or a decade that you you know, that, that, you, that, you, uh, is, that is your favorite? Like, you've been through Mento and ska and reggae and dance hall. You've seen each evolve. You've seen the artists evolve. You know, is there, is there one period where, that is your favorite, you know, as Jamaicans say, when, when Ting did nice?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I like the period of um, rock study and I like the period of roots music because I'm a roots girl. I like the messages and the music. Because the sentiments, the struggle, and how the artists and myself struggle to to be, you know, the best we can. So I really like the roots music because it brings back a lot of memories for me. And um, you know, some of the highlights of my journeys when I when I had my 25th anniversary at Radio City Music Hall, and I see my name on the marquee's, mm-hmm. V.P. of Music. Oh, my God, I said, oh, my Lord, I'm in the big upland. See my name up on the marquees. I felt so proud. I've never drove in a limousine. That was the first time I drove in a limousine. And I said, it reminded me of when my mother used to go to the movies on a bicycle. My mother would sit on the handle, and my father would sit on the saddle, and we were running behind them trying to get with them, but they didn't have any money to take us. <laughs> So we we run with them halfway and not to turn back.
0: And then later on...
1: (laughs) And and sometimes in my life is the passing of my husband and also my grandson, Joel Chin. That one was killed, you know, because he was such a great producer. Such a great producer. You know, he really sent out some of the best, the best, best music, you know, Sizzler, Zitana, you name it. (laughs) he has done his job on Earth. You and you have definitely
0: you've definitely um, suffered loss, and you you continue to have faith and and keep and push and push and push. Um, you know, your faith obviously pushes you forward after every mishap, whether it be personal or business wise. Speak a little bit about that.
1: Well, you know, when when I do things and it didn't do too right or it didn't give the outcome that. I, I thought I would have done. I, I didn't take that, you know, I, I reflect back and I try not to be discouraged. And I know I learned from my lessons. And and when you make a mistake, you learn not to go there anymore, do something different. And it gives you time to reflect because it gives you downtime to say, um, where did I go wrong? What could I do better? I tried to do, you know, I didn't go to business school, neither my husband. But we just try to do better each day. If I did something wrong yesterday, I try to correct it today. And I always tell my children, be fair in what you do. Respect others. Don't look down on another. Because I remember even when my, stu- my husband built that studio, studio 17, there were musicians coming there. Sometimes they didn't have shoes on, but he said, okay, go. He didn't have the $20, you pay $10, when you, make, when you make a hit, you come back and pay the $10. Uh, we didn't honorate people. My husband was very sociable, and uh, I just love him for that. Because he so, he also grew in poverty, and um, I think when he learned to appreciate the goods, I learned to really know that it's a struggle, and people go through struggle, and people have hard times, too. People have bad days, just like us, and people have bad days, so... Sometime when that occurs, I just don't... Um, Sometimes they have a bad days and they would want to take it out on you. I don't take it for anything. I make it just fly over my head and knowing that tomorrow is another day and they usually come back and apologize or let's start all over again, that's all.
0: <laughs> we are human.
1: We are human, we make mistakes. What I usually tell my kids, just to be fair in what you do and respect others.
0: Miss Pat, do you have a, do you have a favorite reggae or dancehall song?
1: Oh my god, the one that everybody loves when I when I go out to different occasions is so she's royal.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> and then I, I created the one Stick By Me to advertise my um my 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 book, Stick My Me, I'll Stick By You. So I play that one a lot and she's Royal. Everybody play that song for me and they give me an award. <laughs> Taurus Riley. Taurus Riley, I'm giving you a big shout out because that's my theme song, She's Royal.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. And I like
1: and I like your scissors. thank you, Mama. Oh. And I and I love Lord Creator, my and Paul, Who used to wash your diaper? Who used to hug and kiss you is your mom and your dad. So the songs of with, with emotions and meaning mean a lot to me.
0: Big tunes, <laughs> big tunes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have a quote here from the beginning of your book. What Barry Gordy was to Motown, what Russell Simmons was to Def Jam, what Sylvia Robinson was to, Sh- to Sugar Hill Records, what Clive Davis was to Arista Records, Patricia Chin is to the reggae industry and VP Records. And that quote is from Kool Herc, who is considered the founder of hip hop. How does yeah. that make you feel? After
1: Oh, I felt so proud. When I talked to, talk to my friend, I, I felt so good. And he'll be invited soon and be on the air with me. And we're trying to make a a nice performance for him to acknowledge him for what he did for hip-hop music. So that's to come. And I was on the Breakfast Club the other day with, <laughs> talking about hip-hop and reggae. And um, really appreciate my friend um, Angela Yee on the Breakfast Club and all the gangs that were there. All her... Stuff that really gave me a warm welcome.
0: Well, you so, made you made me feel warm inside just now. I I, I get to interview Miss Pat a week after the Breakfast Club. Wow. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And it was it was a very special time for me. And I just want to thank my dear friend Angela Yee and her her crew for giving me such a warm welcome.
0: Indeed, indeed. Now, Miss Pat, um, We've, we've covered your journey, VP Records. Oh, actually, you know what? I had one last question to stick in. Was there any artist that you knew from the beginning would be a star? Like when you, when you first heard them or first took a look at them, you said that one is going to be a star.
1: Well, you know, Dennis Brown Alton, I have so many, <laughs> so many. I can't tell you when that started, you know. I have Dennis Browna, Alton Ellis, Gregory Isaac, you know. So, so many, many humorous artists that I can say. You know, they had Jimmy London, for example, he sang A Little Love. And then when Chris Blackwell brought Millie Small to Jamaica, oh man, she ah. was the first woman to be in the BBC chart. I said, oh my God, she has opened the door for all of us.
0: My boy Lollipop. <laughs>
1: My boy Lollipop. And Etana, she came so humbly. She told me, Miss Pat, when they put me on stage and they asked me to come and sing, sometimes the whole show, they said, not your time yet, not your time yet. And sometimes she would wait the whole day and she never get on the show. So she was able to share those stories with me. And I can feel her pain, you know, because women was always put back. My grandson reminded me, say, in the time I was born, women was not (laughs) appreciated. (laughs) So he said, today we have a lot of women, female singers, and we need more on stage. So thank you for all the women singers that out there showcasing their talents. (laughs) So I'm, I'm grateful to be this day to see much women. My, my vice president is also... I was going to say, and,
0: and, and she's, yes, she's half Jamaica.
1: Harris, thank you, thank you, thank you. We, are, we need more women up there because we come with something special to help the men to share their vision. The- we are the workers. We can do, make things happen. They just they show us the course and we're there for them.
0: The lady that lit the spark that changed reggae music and music in general. Because make no mistake about it, all other genres borrow from reggae and dancehall. Yes,
1: yes, 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 so true.
0: Miss Pat Chin, I cannot thank you enough for being on the Planet 30 podcast. How do we contact you? How do we buy the book?
1: Well, my book is on vpreggae.com. And we have a foundation set up, vnpfoundation.org. This can be sold on Amazon, too. It can be bought on Amazon. And all different types of websites, uh, Sam's Caribbean Marketplace. We have different branches in Europe and um, in Japan. And hopefully, we'll go to China to sell because they love my book, too. And uh, we're... It's in the Caribbean. In Jamaica, we have the, um, the ISSA's company that sells my book. So it's the S Hotel in Montego Bay, and the, and the one is in Kingston. So anybody listening in, in Kingston, they can go to the S Hotels and um, purchase my book also.
0: It is a must-purchase for anybody who loves reggae. Or he, if you've even heard a reggae song in your lifetime, you have to have this book.
1: <laughs> yes, thank you very much, Crispin and your wife, and all the reggae fans, the pop fans, people who love music throughout the world. Thank you very much for your support of our music, and uh, may God bless you and continue to do what you do. I'll
0: give you I'll, you. I'll give you the last word. The planet is yours. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the to the audience?
1: Just, just thank you all for um, trying to spread the word about my book and uh, for the foundation, the VNP, reggae, VNP Family Foundation. So if they want to contribute, we'll be very happy. Just go on the website, make a donation. The, in, the instructions are right there and we can mail you a book.
0: Ms. Pat, again, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you so much. It has been an honor.
1: been a honor for me also. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Blessings and
0: love. Thank you for listening to this episode of Planet 30. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at OnPlanet30. Like us on Facebook.com slash Planet 30. Our email address is OnPlanet30 at gmail.com. That's O-N-P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y at gmail.com. For more information about Planet 30, visit our website, planet30.com. That's P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y dot com. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30.